Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Welcome to Open Up at Ephesians chapter 4. Quite a famous portion of scripture in Ephesians chapter 4. And um, I... I was thinking yesterday, there's a, a saying that I heard from a very famous coach. I think it was an a American football coach. I just can't remember what, what his name was. Um, I, I remember him saying, champion teams are brilliant at the basics. Um, and I think, to be fair, I think yesterday was quite a good example of that. Because uh, it's not like the Springboks did anything special. They just did the basics quite well. They tackled well. They passed well. You know, all that kind of good stuff. They scrummed well and they did lineouts well. <laughs> and um, I think it's true. I think the best teams are not the teams that do all kinds of spectacular, funny, weird, and wonderful things. They're the teams that do the basics really well. And if we want to be a champion team as God's people, we've got to be brilliant at the basics. Okay? We've got to be brilliant at the basics. And w- the, what we're going to talk about today... Um, from Ephesians 4, is one of the most basic things in Christianity. Uh, The the text talks about speaking the truth in love. Um, Let me actually just read that text um, with you. In uh, Ephesians 4, from verse 11 to 16, it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the people... uh, to equip his people, literally it says to equip the saints, not saints as in the Roman Catholic, you know, saint, you know, you get sainted like, uh, like uh, Teresa um, of Calcutta got, got sainted, but, you know, all of God's people are saints, holy ones in Christ. So it says to equip God's people or God's saints for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And um, I'm going to focus mostly on that, that phrase, speaking the truth in love, which is, which is a very basic but very important, um, how shall we call it, um, aspect of Christianity. In fact, it's something that is important in every part of our lives. If, if, you, if you think about this, um, you know, you, you can sort of divide your lives into a couple of main communities. What are the main communities that you're involved in? Let me just see if this, this works. Okay, so if you, if you use circles to, to draw the communities, um, you know, you, you, you might have the community where you live, in other words, your home, you might have a community where you, where you work, uh, your, your office, in other words. You might have the community where you play, your, your friendships, uh, the community where you grow, so the, the church. And 
Those are the four main communities. In every single one of those communities, the quality of those communities are directly dependent on how well you do just that, speak the truth in love. I was this, uh, (laughs) when I told my wife I'm going to speak about this, you know, speaking the truth in love, she said, you're going to talk about that? Seriously? (laughs) What do you have to say about that, you know? (laughs) (laughs) You're not very good at that, you know? What are you going to tell the people? (laughs) (laughs) And And I'm sure, you know, in all of our lives, you know, the people closest to us can say something like that about us, you know. I don't think any one of us, anyone who feels they really, you know, this truth in love kind of thing, they're really getting it right. Okay? No hands. Okay, my hands not up either, you know. <laughs> we can all learn. We can all grow in this area. And the better we do it, the better our communities are going to be. The communities that we live in. In fact, the communities, the, the health uh, and the survival of the communities that we live in are directly dependent on us being able to do this well. I was speaking to a, to a bunch of young guys um, in, in the congregation who, who say, you know, they, they feel, you know, the time is ready for them to get married, you know, and, and to pursue, um, you know, to pursue, a, you know, the lady of their lives. And, uh, you know, we spoke a bit about, okay, now how do you do it in a, in a godly way that, that honors God and so on. Uh, and it was an interesting conversation. And, you know, one of the things that I told them is that, you need to do this. You need to speak the truth in love. Because when you're, when you're in love with someone and you're pursuing someone, the danger is there that you want to impress them. And you don't show them who you really are. You pretend to be who you think they want you to be. So that they would like you back. So that they would love you back. And you know what the problem is with that? In the end, if they do fall in love with you, if they do marry you, you know, it's like, congratulations, you've made her fall in love with the person you've pre- you pretended to be. So what are you going to do? You're going to pretend to be that person for the rest of your life? So can you see how important this is? You know, so, so often, um, you know, in, in friendship or in marriage, we do the same thing. You know, we, we pretend. And, and just by the way, when it says they're speaking the truth in love, you'll notice um, uh, I, put the, I made the, the title of the sermon, Truthing in Love. Because literally, what it, it doesn't, the word for speaking is not actually there in the Greek. It doesn't say speaking the truth in love. Paul here uses the word for truth. And he turns it into a verb. So he literally says, truthing in love. By truthing in love, we may grow up into him who is the head. Christ. So it's more than just speaking. It obviously includes speaking the truth in love, but it's also doing the truth of love. It's not just truthing in in word, it's also truthing in deed. It's not just the proclamation of truth, it's the demonstration of truth. It's living the truth in love. Okay? In other words, it's it's not only speaking truth, but it's, it's removing all pretense, not only from our words, but from our lives. And being honest in everything, in the way we live towards one another. Truthing in love. And, I mean, I, I feel sorry for the translators, because there's no real English word with which to translate that. There, there is no verb for truth in, in English, or in Afrikaans, or in most languages. 
But we must truth the love. We must truth in love. And, you know, so often, in fact, I'll, I'll get into that as, as we go along. Um, so, what I want to just share with you this morning is just four things. How Ephesians 4 verse 11 to 16, and, and particularly verse 14 to 16, um, teaches us what truthing in love is. Uh, that uh, what, what truthing in love results in, why we struggle to truth in love, and how we can overcome that struggle. So, um, just just a bit of context, maybe you know, before before I get in into the truth in love aspect, um, the context of of this passage is God gives the fivefold ministry, what one writer called the mentors. Um, to equip the saints for work of ministry so that we can all come to maturity. Picture of Christ. Now, so often, and, and, I, and I'm not going to go into this because I've shared this before, and you can go back and listen to the podcast if you want to. So often we think that we must become mature so that we can minister. But that's not what this text says. The, the, the author I'm referring to says, you know, sometimes we can't count, you know, uh, we forget that it's 11, 12, 13, and we go 11, 13, 12. But verse 11 says that the mentors are given. Then verse 12 says to equip saints for work of ministry. And then verse 13 says so that we can all reach maturity. In other words, you know, if we count correctly, it's 11, 12, 13. Okay. In other words, here's the point I, I, I made back then. I want us to remember that. Firstly, every member is a minister. It's not the mentors, the fivefold ministry, or whatever you want to call them, that do the work of the ministry. The fivefold guys, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, equip the saints, the people of God, to do the work of the ministry. So whose job is it to do the work of the ministry? All of ours. We're a kingdom of priests. We all do the work of the ministry. We believe very strongly in this church that every member is a minister. That means that if this church is to work right, if this church is to grow, then all of us have to do the work of the ministry. Every member is a minister. But not only that, not only does it show us that every member is a minister, it shows us that ministry is not the result of maturity. Ministry is the road to maturity. It's by doing the work of the ministry that we all reach maturity. You see, so often we think that, that, that ministry is the result of maturity, that you must first become mature and then you can minister. That that's not what that verse says. And some of you are holding back and you're saying, oh, one day when I'm mature, then I'll start to minister. That's the wrong approach. You will actually never become mature by that approach. How does a child become mature? Do they say, okay, I'll start you know, I'll, I'll wait until I can feed myself, until I can walk, until I can dress myself, until I can do everything myself, and then I'll do it. No, it's by practicing that you do it, and that you learn, that you become mature. Okay? And kids start doing it before they can do it. They start trying to do it, and they get up, and they give a step, and they fall, but they keep trying. And that's how they become mature. And so often we, we forget that. Ministry is not the result of maturity. Ministry is the road to maturity. It's by ministering that you become mature. 
Having it the other way around is like saying, okay, um, you know, uh, I'll, I'll wait until I'm fit before I run a, before I run a marathon. I'll wait until I'm fit before I start jogging. I mean, how, how silly is that? <laughs> it's by jogging that you become fit. Okay? And, and some of you, in your, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you now, I'm guaranteeing you now, in your hearts and minds, that's what you've been thinking and saying. I'll wait until I'm fit, and then I'll start jogging. I'll wait until I'm mature, and then I'll start ministering. No, no, no. It's by ministering that you become mature. Does that sort of, you know, ring a bell with anyone? Does that convict anyone? Does that sort of help you to change your mind? So your, your mindset said shouldn't be, I must wait until before I start ministering. It, it must be, I'm going to start ministering until I become, so that I can become. I'm going to start exercising so that I can become fit. I'm not going to wait until I'm fit before I start exercising. Um, so every member is a minister, and ministry is the road to maturity, it's not the result of maturity. That's crucially important uh, f- for us. Um, and, and, and the previous verses say that. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to get into that because um, I've, I've preached about that before and you can just go and listen to the podcast. The, the, the section that I want to focus on is, is this thing of truthing in love. Um, and what I found is that we struggle with truthing in love. We, we, we struggle with speaking and acting the truth in love, living the truth in love, because in some ways we see these two as mutually exclusive and in competition with one another. If you think about our sort of wider Western secular humanistic culture, uh, it has pretty much replaced love with tolerance. Okay? And what is tolerance, according to that definition? Tolerance is where I... Don't speak the truth to people. I don't disagree with people because if I disagree with them, I'm being unloving. Okay? And per definition, that puts truth and love in competition and and on on a head-on collision with one another. So our culture says, in order to be loving, you must not speak or live the truth. You must not disagree. On anything, okay, and then I mean you also get in the in the Christian circles. I mean that's the one extreme in our in our in our sort of humanistic culture. But but on the other extreme, you know, I was um, recently I was I was looking at on the internet on and listening at a, to a few people and, and reading a few blog sites, um, and you get what's what's called the the heretic hunters, and they almost the polar opposite of that. I don't know if you've ever seen the website or listened to. To what they say. Now, the interesting thing is there, with much, even most of what those guys say, I would agree that what they're saying is truth. But they say it in such an unloving, uncharitable way. And they, the, the strange thing to me is I'm sitting, listening to, to, watching these videos and thinking to these guys, I, I cannot believe that these guys cannot see that they're doing exactly what the Pharisees were doing. <laughs> because here's one of the things, I'm just going to mention one example. Um, one of the main things that the Pharisees did, one of the main accusations against Jesus, was the, they, the tactic that they used was a, a guilt by association tactic, right? 
See Jesus. He eats with tax collectors and sinners. He's guilty by association. Which is pretty much one of the main things that these guys do. And, and you know, they claim to be very big on the truth. But I'm sitting there listening to this guy's video and, I, and, I, and I'm thinking to myself, can this guy not see that he's being a fundamentalist Pharisee? That he's actually not walking in line with the truth. But that he's certainly, even the truth that he is walking in, he's doing it in a Pharisaic way that is not in love. In other words, you know, confirming all the worst suspicions and thoughts that non-Christians, non-believers have about believers. You know, whereas our culture represents the, the polar opposite, you know, all the, 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 the worst parts. And, and here's the thing. You know, it's, it's, it's like we, we struggle. We, we either get the truth part right or we get the love part right. But we very seldom get the, both the truth and the love right. It's very difficult for us, it seems to me. Um, so this, this text, I hope, will help us. So let's have a look at, at what it means to, to truth in love. What is truthing in love? Um, how does it look? Like, like I said, firstly, truthing in love is not just speaking the truth in love, but living the truth in love. If you, if you sort of draw a quadrant, now I'm an engineer so by training, so please excuse me. If you draw like a, uh, let's, let's call this a truth axis, um, and let's make that the love axis. You know, if you, <laughs> I think like an engineer, I can't help it. <laughs> If, if you're low on truth and low on love here, then you're just an enemy. Okay? In other words, you don't love and you don't speak the truth. You're just an enemy. Okay? If you're high on love but low on truth, you're an enabler. And we see, we see that very often, right? I mean, enemies, we, one of the best places we see it is in politics. I mean, if, if you think about the EFF, the DA, the ANC, they don't speak truth to one another, and they certainly don't love one another. <laughs> and neither do their followers for the most part, okay? Um, enabler, where do you see that very often? Very often you see it, for instance, in, in you know, families where there's addiction. Um, substance, when, it's, when it comes to physical addiction, substance abuse, it's often very obvious, but... I think when there are other kinds of bad habits, destructive habits, um, and other kinds of addictions, the same thing is present very often, but it's not as obvious. It's not as visible. And, and what happens is, in the name of love, we often avoid speaking the truth, because the truth is difficult. The truth is confrontational. The truth often requires conflict. We avoid speaking the truth to people, and we do it in the name of love. But love without truth is not really love. Remember what 1 Corinthians um, 13 says? It says, love rejoices in the truth. Okay? And in the end, when you're an enabler, what happens? That person who is the, the addict or you know, caught in that, that destructive habit, their life does not change. They never overcome their addiction and they remain slaves and, and the addiction just becomes worse. Are you loving them by not speaking the truth to them? Are you loving them by not confronting them? No, you're not. We're not. 
And so often we do that. So often in other ways as well. I mean, say for instance in a small group, there'll be someone and everyone in the small group knows that they have this habit, this selfish habit, which is a blind spot. They don't even realize it's there. But no one, you know, no one wants to sort of step on their toes. No one wants to tell them, listen, the only way you're going to overcome this is if you repent. Listen, this is wrong. It's destroying your life. Unless you repent of this, unless you change, unless you actually commit to God and His ways, unless you change your heart and no longer see this thing as an idol, you're going to be stuck in it forever. And people's lives don't change because they don't speak the truth. They, they enable it. Now, if, you, if you're high on truth but low on love, you're an enforcer. Okay? Then you just want to enforce the truth. You know, you don't care how you communicate it. You don't, you don't care how you tell people. You don't care how people receive it, whether they can receive it or not. Uh, you don't care whether the truth hurts them or helps them. All you care is that I'm right and I'm going to tell them. Okay? I'm going to tell them the truth. And, 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 and you, you say it in so many words. You know, when they're upset about it, when they cry, when they hurt, when, when, when they, you say, well, I, wasn't what I was saying the truth? It was the truth. I was right, right? <laughs> but the problem is that also doesn't change lives. Right? Only if you're high on truth and love are you an edifier. Now, the, the word there, edifies, is the word that's used in the Greek. I'm, I'm sorry, it's an old word. Um, but, but it's, it's the best word I could find to, to work in this context. To edify means to build up. If you edify someone, you build them up. You, 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 you help them grow and you build them up. Um, and, and only if we speak the truth in love will we actually build up the people around us and their lives will actually change. Now, what, what does truth in love result in? First, if you, if you just go through this text, and I, and I don't have enough time to go through it all in detail, but he talks about until we all reach the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Truthing in love is what we need to, to be joined together and, and, and come into unity. Um, I was, it's interesting, I was thinking about it yesterday, and then Watsupiwa um, actually prayed it at the intercession as well. It's something that A.W. Tozer said. He says, if you have 100 pianos that are out of tune with one another, how do you tune them so that, so that they're in tune? You don't tune them to one another. So if you, if you take like two pianos and tune them to one another, they might be in tune. Well, firstly, you know, the one piano is going to say, no, the problem is you're tuned too high. You must tune down to me. I'm going to say, no, 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 you tune too low. You must tune up to me. <laughs> so firstly, there's going to be a big fight about who's right and who's wrong there. But even if you fix that, even if you overcome that problem, you have two pianos that are in tune with one another, and out of tune with nine, the other 98. <laughs> so you still haven't solved the problem. How do you solve the problem? You tune all 100 pianos to one tuning fork. How do you get Christians into unity with one another? By all tuning them all to Jesus, the ultimate tuning fork. And then they'll be in unity with one another. So it produces unity. It produces stability. Remember, it talks about the, the boat, you know, you know, bounce to and fro in the waves and so on. That instability. If there's, if there's no truth in love, there's instability. It talks about being infants. There's immaturity if, if we don't speak the truth in love. We all remain immature. Um, 
But if we speak the truth in love, we, we, we reach maturity. And ultimately, it, it, it talks about becoming Christ-like, becoming like Jesus, becoming like Christ. That's what it uh, results in. Um, if you're truth in love, on an individual level, if we truth the love to people, uh, truth in love to people, um, if, if you don't, if you... If you if, you, if you're just an enemy, there's no truth and no love, uh, people tend to die down. If you're an enabler, they'll grow, but they'll grow skew. It's like, you know, they're, they're a little tree, and, and you're giving them the water and the nutrients that they need, but you're not putting that pole of truth beside them and tying to it, so they grow like all skew and, and warped, okay? If... If you're high on truth but low on love, people just grow hard. Haven't you experienced that? People grow hard and they actually don't receive and they, don't, they certainly don't change. They just grow hard. They grow resistant. It's only when you speak the truth in love that people grow up. When you're an edifier and you do both truth and love, that's when they grow up. That's on an individual level. But also, truthing in love as like a corporate, on a corporate level, it, it produces a community. What, what kind of community does it produce when you don't speak the truth and you don't do it in love? No community, right? In, if, you speak, if you don't speak the truth, but you, you try and be loving and all warm and fuzzy, it just produces a, a pseudo-community. Oh, all right, so ugly. <laughs> you produce a pseudo-community. Um, let, let me put it this way. It's, it's, the, it's that example that I said, you know, you pretend to be who you think people want you to be, so you get her to fall in love with the person you're pretending to be. You get your friends to like the person you're pretending to be. But they don't like you. They like the person you're pretending to be. They don't love you. They love the person you're pretending to be. They don't even know you because you're not showing yourself for who you really are. It's a pseudo-community. We all have a deep, deep desire to be truly known and truly loved. If people say they love you, but you know they don't really know you because you're not truthing to them, you're not being truthful to them, you're not being honest and vulnerable to them, then that love doesn't really mean anything. It certainly doesn't change you. Because you think, well, they say they love me, but they don't even really know me. So how can they love me? Obviously, the opposite is also true, you know. If, um, if there's only truth and no love, it just produces a conflict community. A conflict community. A community that, where there's conflict the whole time. It's only... When you speak the truth in love, that it produces true community. Only speaking the truth in love produces true community. And that's what we want. We, it's, it's terrible to... When people say they love you, but they don't really know you, because then you know they don't really love you. But it's even worse when people do know you and they don't love you and they reject you. I mean, that's even more painful. But how healing is it when someone really knows you, warts and all, weaknesses and all, and they still love you. Aren't those the relationships that really change your life? 
Aren't those the relationships that you run to when the chips are down? Aren't those the people that you call and say, listen, yeah, I'm struggling? And because you know that person is going to, on the one hand, tell you what you're doing wrong, but they're also going to encourage you and help you and pray for you and love you nonetheless. And so often we make this mistake. We either err on the side of truth, we're big on truth and and short on love, or we are on the side of love. We, we big on, on love and short on truth. But love without truth is not love, and truth without love is not truth. And then we end up looking like this. Like people who have a limp, because our one leg is shorter than the other. If truth and love are the two legs that you walk on. One leg is shorter than the other, and you limp through life. And, and let me tell you, just in personal relationship, how this feels. Paul, Paul, in a sense, explains it to us. He says, no longer being infants, tossed to and fro by every wave and wind of teaching, etc. Now, infants, when things go wrong, what, how do infants respond? How do children respond? Little children. They get scared. Okay? Especially when things are unstable, when things are uncertain, when, you know, things are not, when things are scary. Now imagine being a little baby in a boat that's being tossed by waves and wind and the waves crashing over into the boat. How are you going to feel? So many people go through life feeling like that, like a little infant in a boat that's being tossed around and beaten around by the storm. And they don't know why they're feeling like that. And often it's because they haven't learned to truth in love and live in a community, a true community that's the result of truthing in love. Now, I just want you to quickly turn to one another in groups of three or so, and I want you to quickly share with the group which of your legs, the truth or the love leg, which, which, which one in your case tends to be the shorter one? <laughs> and which one tends to be the longer one? So... Just by a quick show of hands, who of you, who of you tends to sometimes, you know, focus on truth at the expense of love? Just put up your hands. Okay. <laughs> who of you tend to um, focus on love at the expense of truth? And you see, we all struggle with that. And, and, and here's what happens. You know, we, we start off, and we have good intentions and so on. But we get to know people. We get into a small group. We're in a family. We're in a work environment, you know, wherever it might be, or in a circle of friends. Uh, and, and we try and be nice with people. And then as we get to know the people, we start finding places where what they are, how they are living, what they're doing, what they're saying, etc., if we were to speak the truth into those situations, it would lead to conflict. And then we avoid the truth because we want to avoid the conflict. Because we love comfort more than we love truth. And we don't confront people with the truth. And 
That problem just goes on. And, 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 and sometimes, here's what happens. Sometimes, you know, when it's friends or when it's a small group or so, it's someone that you don't have to be around. You can sort of just withdraw from the community and go and find another community and say, okay, hopefully these people are going to be better. These friends are going to be better. The small group is going to be better. There's not going to be those two people in the small group that irritate me with those things, you know. But then you discover other things <laughs> about them. The problem is the communities that you cannot withdraw from, your family your spouse, your kids. How, how do you deal with that? Well, you can sort of just take it on the chin, you know. <laughs> you can just grit your teeth and, 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 and sort of say nothing and, and never confront it and so on. Because the thing is, it takes courage to confront in, in, uh, you know, with the truth. And sometimes we're just cowards. In cowardice, we fail to speak the truth because we want to rather remain in that place of comfort where there's no conflict, where there's no argument, where there's no fighting. But the problem is it doesn't work. Eventually, whatever that issue is that you're supposed to speak the truth about to your spouse or to your kids or to whoever, uh, you know, a colleague at work, you, eventually it becomes too much for you. And then eventually after enough frustration builds up, you do speak the truth, but you don't do it in love. You do it in anger. <laughs> then you come out fighting, you know, and you, you, you speak the truth, but you, you say it in such a way that it, you use the truth to harm and not to help. Because you allowed all that frustration to build up. So you, you, you jump from here to there, from being an enabler to being an enforcer. And well, you cannot get away from the person. Now you've spoken the truth and then they also start speaking the truth in anger to you, you know, because they, they also have truth to speak, you know, some things that, that, you, that you're not seeing and that you don't realize. So they start speaking truth in, to you, but, but now they're also angry and they're also using the truth not to help but to harm. And then eventually, I mean, you, you make sort of peace and so on and you just decide, okay, you know, you, you sort of jump back from being an enforcer, both of you, to being enablers. And you say, okay, we, we, we sort of have a negotiated truce. We're going to stay away from those areas. We're not going to talk about those things. Which basically means we're not going to know one another. We're not going to love one another. We're not going to help one another to change. We're not going to allow the gospel to, cause, to transform us. And... and what happens in the end is eventually, you know, you again reach the place of frustration and you jump back to the enforcer stage. And then you circle back to the enabler stage and then you go back to the enforcer stage. And you're caught in the cycle between being enforcers and enablers. You're caught in the enabler-enforcer cycle, if I can call it that. And no one changes and the relationship just gets damaged and harmed. All the married people know exactly what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> we know exactly how that works. So the question is, how do you break this enabler-enforcer cycle and break into being edifiers? How do you do that? You have to, on the one hand, develop the courage to speak the truth, but also the compassion to do it in love. What does compassion mean? Com means with and passion is, is like, the, like the passion of the Christ was the suffering. The, the passion of, of, of Jesus was referring to, to his suffering, his death on the cross. So, so the old meaning of the word passion was actually suffering. So compassion means to suffer with someone. So if you, if, if, if you want to speak the truth, you need the courage to do it. 
And often we, we have that cowardice that prevents us, that, that causes us to avoid the truth. And if you want to do it in love, you need compassion. But we also sometimes neglect to love because it requires to suffer with other people. And we don't like suffering. So in order to avoid conflict and in order to avoid suffering, we often avoid both truth and love. We avoid the truth and we neglect love. And what can cause us to break out of that cycle? Well, I think the, the, the ultimate answer that, that the passage gives us um, is found when it says, speaking the truth or truthing in love, we may grow up into him who is the head, even Christ. Okay? And there's, there's a few, few things there that I just want to um, highlight. Firstly, we know... Uh, so let me just define it this way. Our problem is not that we do not speak the truth and we do not do it in love. It's, our problem is that we do not consistently speak the truth and we do not consistently do it in love. Our problem is that when we do speak the truth, often it's not in love, and when we do love, it's often not in truth. Our problem is that we cannot consistently manage to both do both of these at the same time. That is our problem. And there's only one human being who ever walked the face of the earth who consistently truthed in love all the time. And that's Jesus. Jesus Christ. He's the only human being that has ever got this right. Okay? And we look at the Gospels and we see Jesus saying very straight things to people. But also having amazing compassion. Being moved with compassion. He had the courage to speak the truth to anyone. Even those in power who wanted to kill him. He'd speak the truth to them. But he always did it in love. Because he didn't want something from them, but he wanted something for them. And that's one of the questions you can, you can ask when you're going to speak the truth to someone. Is, and, and you want to figure out, am I going to do this in love or not? You can ask, do I want something from them or do I want something for them? Do I want them to change for my sake or do I want them to change for their sake? Do I have their best interest at heart or just my selfish interests? <clears throat> So Jesus is the only person who has ever done that. Jesus Christ, who's, who's, who's the head, is the only one who is truth in love accurate, uh, consistently. And we cannot truth, we cannot do truthing in love to one another unless we can first do it to God. Unless you can speak the truth and live the truth in love towards God, you'll never do it towards the people around you. And here's the thing, because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can truth in love towards God. It's safe to do that. One of the reasons why we don't truth, why we don't reveal who we are, is because we're afraid of being rejected. But because of the cross, we know that we'll never be rejected. Because Jesus was rejected so that we wouldn't have to be. Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that we would never have to say that. So in other words, we can speak the truth. We can truth in love towards God because God already knows the truth about us and he still loves us. And if we can truth in love towards God, then what happens in our relationship with God will spill over into our relationship with one another. Okay? Not only that, but it, when it talks about Christ, uh, who is the head the head, that is Christ, how does the head relate to the rest of the body? How does the head relate to the rest of the body? It controls it. It tells it what to do. 
In other words, in a very real sense, the rest of the body represents the head and does what the head says and does what, does what the head tells it to. In other words, if we are so connected to Christ that we actually obey Him rather than what we want to do, what He wants us to do rather than what we want to do in ourselves, then we can truth in love. Then we can truth in love. And it's interesting, when Paul refers here to the head, he doesn't say, the head, that is Jesus. And he doesn't even say, the head, that is Jesus Christ. He just says, that the head, that is Christ. Now, what does Christ mean? And, and I, I just sort of actually missed this, but as I was driving to church this morning, it, it suddenly struck me. But what does Christ mean? Anointed, yes. And what else? Anointed what? Savior, a bit more specifically, anointed king. <clears throat> Remember, the, <clears throat> the Messiah or the Christ was the son of David, the anointed king. Just like David was the anointed king, so the Christ is the anointed king. So the one who rules, and we sometimes don't make this connection, through his anointing. One of the, the best, uh, you know, when I did my, my um, studies, um, I studied, one of the things I studied was pneumatology, which is just a big fancy word for the study of the spirit. So one of the best scholars in that area is a guy called Max Turner, and he describes the Holy Spirit, especially in the book of Acts. <clears throat> he says the Holy Spirit is the executive power of Christ's reign on earth. In other words, Christ, Jesus Christ, the anointed king, executes his rulership, his reign on earth through his spirit, through his anointing. And that's the key here. The key is that through Jesus, the anointed king, and through his anointing, his Holy Spirit that he gives to us, we can now live under his rulership and truth in love towards one another. Now what will happen if we do this? And, and, I, and I just close with that. Just four things that I notice. And I, it says, from him, that's Christ, the whole body, joined and held together, by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up or edifies itself in love as each part does its work. As each part does its work. So if each part will, will submit to the head, Christ, the anointed king, in order that he can, through his anointing, rule our lives, each part of us will do our work and we'll be empowered to do our work because of the anointing of Christ upon us. Okay? Now, the, the body grows, and then, then he tells us these four things about how it grows. The body is joined together. In other words, people who are not part of the body become part of the body. They join together. Then, those who are joined together are held together. They don't fall away. They don't drift away. Okay? Then it says they grow. <clears throat> in order to grow, you must be joined to the body and be held together in the body. And then, you know, it's the, the place for you to grow as a member of the body is in the body. What will happen if you get separated from the body? The opposite of growth. You'll die. <laughs> but not only will you grow, not only will every member, every part of the body grow, but it will build itself up. It will cause the rest of the body to grow in love. And can you see that beautiful progression? When we truth in love, it causes us to be joined together it causes us to be held together. It causes us to grow together. 
And it causes us to cause one another to grow together. In other words, and, 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 and that happens as every member, every part does its work. Because remember, every member is a minister. That, that means that when you are not here in church, or when you are not in small group, or when you are not fulfilling the ministry that God has for you, there are people who should be joined who will not be joined to the body. There are people who should be held in the body and who need that conversation with you or that interaction with you to be held in the body, that you speaking truth in love to them and holding them accountable in a loving way, but you're not there and they're not held together, they fall away. There are people who need to grow. They need you to, to truth in love towards them so that they can grow, but you're not there so they don't grow. Can you see how important this is? If the body is supposed to grow and work. Now, exactly what we were saying about the body is true about family, is true about the community at work, is true about your friendship community. It's only by truthing in love that any of those communities can grow as they should. And only if we first experience that from Christ and from God to us and experience the total life transformation because the gospel is the ultimate example of truth in love remember it says in john 1 that jesus is full of grace and truth the gospel is the ultimate example of truth in love where god was brutally honest with us about our fallen state our sinful state and yet recklessly brutally loving towards us and said i'll take the punishment for that because so i can bring you together in one body it's only when we experience the gospel that we can truth in love towards one another. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.